surprise, everybody. A little extra episode this week. Uh, we are talking about Train to Busan tonight. Yeah. Rainwater, Rainwater, there was too much of a time crunch to get through Halloween, Halloween kills, and Halloween ends. So we'll yeah. save that for next year. And <laughs> uh, if it's anything like the mini discussion we had about Bride of Frankenstein this morning on Twitter, it ought to be an interesting show. <laughs> but... Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that I think we're going to be agreeing on. I don't know. I have no idea how his reaction was. I expected a text or a tweet or something about it. Oh, no, I kept it very secret. I was just going to keep it for this. Oh, okay. Keep you on on the edge of your seat. That's awesome, and that's great. So, if you have not seen Train to Busan, because it's got subtitles, it's a foreign movie, you are fucking yourself over. I want to point that out. Easily, for me, top three horror films of all time. All time. Period. No discussion. Like, you could argue the horror aspect of it wasn't scary. Mm, I can't fight you too much on that. In terms of being a great movie, top shelf. No debate. None whatsoever. I'm curious to know your thoughts, Mr. Rainwater. Yeah, that was actually one of the things that I was thinking about. Is like after watching, I was like, "It's a good movie." I I don't know if I'd say it's a good horror movie necessarily. Mm. Um, Not that the horror elements are bad at all, but it it actually like I feel like it 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 functions more like a disaster movie than a horror movie. Sure. Yeah. And it's just a fictional disaster, right? Like it's a zombie yeah. apocalypse instead yeah. of like, you know, an earthquake or whatever. Um, and I say that because um, just because of the way that the movie is paced and like um, really, I mean, like a really well paced movie is just not paced like a horror movie necessarily. There's, there's like very little up. slowness in it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like build up to the zombie stuff, but the way it's done is really different from a typical Mm. zombie movie. I feel like, and also like what it focuses on is a little bit different too. Cause it spends a lot of time, much like a disaster movie, focusing on a lot of different characters and then kind of going back and forth between them. And yeah, there's a lot of points of view that, that get uh, brought up. And I think that's one of the things that I love about it is that it fills, fills out the world collapsing and crumbling. You know what I mean? Like it's not just about, so many characters get to have a little arc or a little mm. thread that they, that the movie follows. And there's always sort of a, for each arc, there's there, there's like cause and it's like a cause and effect theme where it's like one person's selfishness affects everybody else. And like, you know, I mean the main, the main character arc, which is the dad, right? Like right. Is, his is like a redemption arc of going from, kind of this self-centered viewpoint to ultimately like a i'll just say spoilers i don't think yeah absolutely spoilers if you haven't seen trade and abuse on it's fucking it's on like almost every uh app net for like for free i think it's on tubi i think it's on pluto it might even be on youtube go check it out and then come back and watch it yeah for free on youtube right now um till like Ultimately, you know, giving up his life for his daughter. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a good arc. It's really well done. I like um, it's interesting because I like the way that they develop his character. And it's in a very like subtle way because 
he's not like a particularly emotive person. Mm. So you kind of spend a lot of the movies sort of trying to figure out what the hell he is thinking because he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve too much. He doesn't yeah. not very good at connecting with his daughter at all. Like, that's true. That's a very like, fair point. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that, but you're he absolutely struggles right. with it throughout the entire movie. And that's kind of the, I think that's like kind of one of the big parts of the, one of the big points in his arc is like, he never figures out how to properly emotionally bond with his daughter, but he's able to sort of, at least for himself, feel like he's actually done something for her. You mm. know? Because ultimately, like, she's just left in tears, right? Yeah. As he's, like, you know, jump jumping from the train and because he's making the only possible good decision he can in that situation because he knows he's going to become a zombie in a matter right. of months. Um, but, um, I thought that that was really interesting for him because I think in an American movie, that kind of arc would have been like, oh, you know, I suddenly become able to emotionally connect with my daughter. We're laughing and having a good time and all this other yeah. stuff. And I think there's a, there's a, there's more of a realism to his character where it's like, no, his character doesn't like 180 flip. It's like. He just has an intellectual understanding of the circumstance right? and comes to terms with that. And I thought that that was like a very, I thought that that was really unique, you know, mm. and for that kind of storyline and also just done in a way that I thought was, um, it was really, I don't know, like it's emotionally affecting because like I was in tears at the, by the end of the movie. That was going to be one of my questions that I was going <laughs> to ask you. Did you, or did you not cry? Because yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, we, we both, you know, have experiences in fatherhood. So, you know, and, and, and you don't even have to be a parent to, yeah. you know, deal with, to, to be affected by the movie, but it, it hits a little harder. Like, I think, I don't know if when I saw it, if, if I was a dad yet, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I think I was on my way to being. I don't remember if I was yet. Um, but it hits differently when you've had parenting experiences. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just there's yeah. just a whole different mind. Like, your mind reacts in ways that, it, like, after you parent, <laughs> whether it's a dog or a kid or yeah. a goldfish, I don't care. Um, there's like It's like an achievement unlocked in your brain. And your yeah. brain sees the world and takes in things differently. And I know when I was watching it earlier today to refresh for this podcast, I was weeping. Like my son was just sitting there in my lap looking at me. Like, I don't think he's ever seen me cry before, which, uh, you know, he's going on two years old. So I had a two year streak of not crying and I <laughs> blew it with this movie. Um, but he was looking at me and my son actually was like, I don't think he was wiping my tears. I think he was trying to see what was happening yeah, to my what face. What the fuck's going on with your face, dad? <laughs> but, um, but no, it's like, it, it really is an impactful ending. Yeah. And the one thing, and it's interesting, you talk about the restrained emotions of the lead actor. There's, there's a contrast between him and also other characters. Some characters are middle of the road emotional reactors. Some of them are bombastically reacting constantly. Um, but they all feel real. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like that's one of the things about it is like this, 
it feels so authentic. Like, yeah, there's zombies running around and they're contorting and weird things and they're, you know, biting people and chasing and all that kind of stuff. But the human performances feel so real that you get invested in everything that happens, whether it's they're moving from train car to train car or they're trying to rescue somebody or they're trying to sneak into the, the I think it's like an airport or something like that, like the, the transfer port. Yeah. Like all these kinds of things, you are invested in these characters, and they—I uh, mean, for most of us here in America, they don't speak our language. We don't speak their language, I should say. You know, like you have to take the time because I don't believe a dub exists. You have to take the time to be reading the subtitles as opposed to visually taking in every image, right? Yeah. So for all of that to work is a masterful feat. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. uh, it, it's an insane accomplishment for me. Now, I did a little research. The director of this movie actually has a history as a, a Korean animation director. Like, okay. his his thing was uh, Korean animation movies. For those of you who don't know, because <laughs> we're all Americans, there are a lot of animation movies that are drama not like, like, uh, the fuck is it? Anime where it's like action, fighty, superhero type stuff. Yeah. There are drama movies that are animated. And that's the kind of realm that he came from. Uh, so I'm very surprised that for a live action film, he was able to jump from that medium to this medium and be so fucking great. You know what I mean? Like... It really is a feat. I see you're looking it up. What are you looking up? Any well, of the movies? Well, I'm just looking at what other movies this person has worked on. I mean, I haven't heard of any of them, but I also like Train to Busan is one that I've I've heard about a lot because I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Sure, but I never watched it until you mentioned it, and um, I think it's interesting because I think both um, both with Korean filmmakers and Japanese filmmakers, I've noticed this where uh culturally they tend to not pigeonhole uh mm. so much at least with directors because i've seen a number of animation directors in uh japan also do live action like uh hideaki ano who is most famously known for having done our directed neon genesis evangelion did the most recent uh did shin godzilla which is like a, a live, um, it's a live action movie, obviously, but like he reinterpreted Godzilla in sort of his own unique take. And it's like, really, it's a really different movie mm. in the sense that it's kind of a, um, I know we're talking about Train to Busan, but I just kind of want to cover Shin Godzilla for like one second if we get a chance. Yeah, it's not, it's fine. It, it covers it, it covers what would actually happen in sort of this weird realistic viewpoint of like how the country of Japan would deal with a Godzilla attack in the sense that it follows like the administration, like the government and okay. governmental administration and how they would figure everything out and work through all the bureaucratic loopholes because what's really interesting, ironic in the movie, or I don't know if ironic is the right word, but what's interesting in the movie is this idea of like because bureaucracies are what they are, you have to like 
talk to this guy to make sure that it's okay that you get permission to get, you know, like <laughs> fuck the fact that it's an emergency. Like you still have to talk to the environmental agency about how, you know, this new experimental weapon is going to impact farmland in the country of Japan. So it's like, um, it works out really well thematically as a disaster movie like that. That's another movie that that's a movie that's very strictly a disaster movie. And it's done in a way that is so realistic uh, quotes, uh, realistic in the way it engages with thinking about it, Mm. that um, it's, it's just like a really, it's almost like a documentary in a sense, but not like there's a lot of, there's certainly a lot of drama and stuff, but like, uh, it was just like a different and unique way to do a Godzilla story. So anyway, going back to Train to Busan, um, that's cool to know. And so I'm going to have to check out his animation stuff because um, I'm always interested to see directors who kind of go between different media. Um, I certainly could, and I can certainly feel some of the animation influence in the movie in the sense of, uh, the way that they think, the way they think about anim- not just animating but staging like the zombie sort of attacks, you know, like there's a really cool way that the 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 way like bodies just like pour out of the trains or through windows and stuff. Uh, in kind of in contrast to like World War Z, you know, that other zombie movie that kind of I feel like kind of lifted. Some ideas from this movie to some extent. When did World War Z come out? Because I, I believe it's wrong because tw- it could have been before. But I uh, feel like World War Z came out in like the the early 2010s, and this came out in 2016. Uh, World War Z. Okay, World War Z was 2013. So yeah. So anyway, I think Train to Busan did it better. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, and so anyway, like so going with that information, it seemed like the director liked that idea and like had a different reinterpretation of that concept. Well, go ahead. I was not to cut you off, but I was watching. So the, the real the way I researched this was I watched the last drive-in version of it with Joe Bob Briggs, and uh, he was kind of throwing out some information about it. And I believe the director, it, he wasn't necessarily negatively critiquing American filmmaking or american zombie movies but he i guess he talked about how there's a difference in how things are seen in the eastern part of the world versus how they're seen in the west and one of the observations that he made was that the west was very obsessed with the makeup style of zombies and that wasn't something that he wanted to focus on so much so what he wanted to focus on in terms of his zombies was movement yeah. So there was a, um, I want to say it's a pole dancer, like a, a, a someone who opened like a pole dancing school who had been like an acrobatic dancer or something of the sort. But they had like rehearsals for three or four months with all of the zombie extras to get them to be contorting in the way yeah. that they move so uniquely to impress a style that way. So it was less about the makeup and more about the movement. So that really, really kind of speaks effective. to what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was super. It was extremely effective in giving those zombies like a personality, mm. or like a, a a trait that was different from other zombie movies. Because like the closest I could make um, comparison to might have been like sort of Twenty Eight Days Later, but like even then, they do have this very specific way of movement and the way that the movie 
actually like goes into a little depth as to like how they function like mm. the idea that um the way the zombies track motion almost like um almost kind of like the way the t-rex tracks motion in jurassic park but like they they go deeper into it and sort of like okay they actually are very sensitive are not sensitive but like uh their eyesight's not great so if it's dark they can't track very well right and that was like a cool like that was a cool um sort of unique take on that in a way where you see it develop as the movie goes on right and you see them use that knowledge to like solve problems like getting further into the train which was i which was really like i wasn't expecting it to go that way and it was a really great like um it was a really great way of developing that plot and sort of and i think that's what's also kind of interesting is like they spend so much time developing all that is honestly like the least important part of the story ultimately (laughs) like there's so much there's so much time spent developing the zombies, but they really are kind of they really conduits are conduits to other things happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they really are conduits to an overall more important theme, which is about sort of um, how do you how do you balance sort of the needs of an individual and the needs of a society, right? Sure. In a given emergency, because that's something that's really uh, reiterated throughout each of the character arcs of uh, each of the main characters that we like focus on in the story. But let's uh, be fair for a second here. You, you watch this, like I said, it was made in 2016 and you can easily see COVID parallels. Yeah. If you're watching it now, but here's the thing. Doesn't every zombie movie have that? Oh yeah. You know what for I mean? Sure. Like it's kind of like, like par for the course when it comes to a zombie movie, but for some reason, and I hate the the term elevated horror, but in this movie it is elevated to a way that it's just gut punching while you're watching it more than it would be for me on like The Walking Dead or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? I don't know why. Like I'm trying to figure out why it resonates well, something more. I like, something about the way I like the movie deals with the themes is that it never it never talks down to the audience. It never True. says outright to the audience what the theme is. You pick it up from just each character's story and how each character is sort of reacting to each character's actions, right? Like you see like you see the main the dad kind of grow up as a person interacting with uh, the I don't know, I'll just call him the tough guy who kind of like just calls him asshole and like slowly befriends him right over the movie as they go through fighting zombies together. And, um, that in it, that in itself is like, it's not like the tough guy ever comes to a point where he like is like, Oh, you you know what? You're all right. He's still kind of like, well, you're still an asshole, but like there's a, there's a great, I, I don't know. There's just like a, I don't know if it's necessarily realism, but the way that it's written is just like characters seem true to themselves and nothing ever feels forced. And I really appreciate that about the film. Like even, even the character who I kind of think of as the bad guy, who was that businessman. Yep. He even like at the very end on the confrontation on the train between him and the dad, like 
even he has a kind of a weird sympathetic moment where he's like, I just want to be back to my mother, you know, because he's scared. Like that's yeah. ultimately kind of the movie kind of unravels like his psychology, which is like he's doing all the shit because he's terrified and he's acting out of fear. It yeah. never moral. It never really moralizes him. It is just like very objectively is like, okay, this is why this guy is like this. This is why. And he's caused all this pain because of it. But at the same time, you see why and you kind of oddly sympathize with him to a certain extent, you know, because you actually see the the reasons for his actions, even though those actions have terrible consequences. Right. Well, I mean, that's what it is. Right. Like that's if you really pay attention to the movie, that's I mean, every almost everything that's going on has a parental child relationship at its core like you have the tough guy and he's defending his wife who's pregnant with his kid you have um the father and the daughter you have the evil businessman guy who's trying to get back to his mother you have um shit there was one more now i can't remember what it was uh wasn't that the the sisters or were they sisters yeah they were sisters so you kind of had like an older sister little sister kind of like thing like protecting you know yeah. another family member you had the phone call with the 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 dad calling his mom and she turns into a zombie over the phone like you know what i mean yeah. like all of the scenes like they have the necessary zombie we have to get through the plot so we have to rescue them because we split them up and blah, blah 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 but they're all twisted into opportunities to reflect on family relationships and exposing the main character to all of the choices that he has. He can act like the evil businessman. He can act like the tough guy. He can act like, you know what I mean? Uh, like his mom, uh, when she goes like, he's aware of all these things. All of these different situations are presenting him with options. And it's really about, you know, offering those choices. So I think that's, what's beautiful about it is like, that's what you really want when you're crafting a story is you want characters to make choices decisions and you don't want those decisions to be easy you want them to be hard you want them to be difficult because that's what's going to grip us you know what i mean like when we're facing life every day we all don't see what's right in front of us as the obvious thing we all have reasons to understand and justify both options or whatever multiple options are in front of us so i think that's really what i took away from it from a storytelling standpoint was i look at this and i'm like wow that's really kind of genius how they used the supporting characters but like you said it didn't beat you over the head with the theme like you know what i mean like obviously the guy's that uh has a pregnant wife obviously um his mom is his mom and all that kind of stuff and he's the dad to his daughter and the 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 reveal of the the evil businessman didn't come towards the end as you pointed out and that's kind of like the last straw that was needed was this is what you pretty much have been so far to your daughter. Not in the same circumstances of a zombie apocalypse, but just in a, you know what I mean? Like you're treating her like how he, this man treats the rest of the world. So it's kind of like, that's the rude awakening he needed for that last moment when he was defending his daughter. And that's really what kind of puts a pin in the final movement of his arc i guess you could say i don't know i'm sure. kind of rambling does that make sense no that what you're saying makes a ton of sense and I, I hadn't really thought of it that way necessarily i hadn't made that connection but it is a good connection to make because there is like a 
there is a parallel between him and the and the businessman where it's like, yeah, this could be you in right. like thirty years. You know, like you have that potential if you're not careful. You know, because uh, I mean, the you know the movie spends a fair amount of time kind of looking at the dad as like you know uh, as unfavorable, right? Mm. Because he does have a he he's divorced he has a bad relationship with his daughter his his mother is really concerned about how he's treating you know his daughter how he's treating himself um but they do i wanted to point this out and this was i think another brilliant thing that they did we talk on here about the save the cat method a lot because i'm a big fan of blake snyder's book save the cat and uh for those of you who aren't aware there is a screenwriting storytelling notion that within the first few scenes of a movie, you need to have your main character do something to make the audience like them, right? Mm -hmm. Like saving a cat or something stupid like that. You can be a complete anti-hero, do bad things, like just be an asshole, whatever. I mean, Tony Stark, smart ass, whatever. But they got to do something that makes the audience kind of get on their side. What would you say? Uh, you're a smart guy, so I'm pretty sure you're going to figure this out. What would you say was his save the cat moment? I mean, really the closest thing I can think of is like him... The conversation he has with his daughter about having watched her seeing like her at the recital. Ah. And that was because that was his first in attempt to like really try and connect with her. Because, you know, up to that point, you really just see him kind of f fucking fail as a dad. Yeah, that's true. And, like, <laughs> he bought her three wees. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, like, as a, you know, as a his job is basically just manipulating uh, the economy. So like he, he's not exactly somebody that you look up to, you know, and I, for you, was it something different? Yeah. It's odd, that to... you, it's odd that you bring up the whole, he manipulates the economy thing because in that, in one of the opening scenes, he's on the phone with his boss and his boss is telling him to sell the stock to me. Yeah. The save the cat moment is when he, tries to persuade his boss to go another way when he's like, sir, if we sell the stock now, it's going to affect yeah, so many people I'm, and da 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 da, da. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not like a grand sweeping gesture as, as dramatic as the one that you pointed out with the daughter, but it, it's that inkling of, hey, he's a good person, but he's in a circumstance that sure. he's got to do what his boss tells him to do. Sure. And the brilliance of it, here's the real brilliance of it, in my opinion. It's not that he didn't succeed, it's that moments later, one of the, the underlings under him comes into his office and he does the he big tells boss exactly man. what the boss said to do. Right, exactly. So yeah. it very much lays out that whole choice of he's a man straddling two worlds, right. of being a good person and being a good business person and this and that. So to me, that was the brilliance of it was that very subtle moment goes, oh, okay, he's sticking up for the little guy, the people that would be affected by this. Okay, he's got to do that. And then they turns around and then he's a complete douchebag. So now right. we have set up this character as being both good and bad or potentially good and bad. And because it's so early in the story, the movie, I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, now they're casting doubt in my mind. I don't know what choices he might make. He's, sure. you know what I mean? Like he's got the good heart, but he was able to sell. And I think this is important for the acting standpoint. The scene where he tells the underling, 
you know, the, the we're going to sell, blah, 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 the lemmings, da, 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 da. That was done so well that I was convinced that, okay, he's subscribing to this notion. He's all in on this notion. He's easily persuadable. So yeah. it's not like, oh, I know his heart of gold is going to overcome it. Like, I don't know that. And that's the beauty of that that scene, both from writing, directing, acting, sure. all of the above. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was the moment that really kind of gets you going in the movie where it's like, okay, I, I, I want to see where this goes. Like, if you theoretically, like how you pointed out, it's a disaster movie. You could take the zombies out. Yep. <laughs> you could you put could, in a volcano. It could volcano. be, could yeah, be asteroids. Volcano. It could be whatever the fuck yeah. you want it to be. And the movie could be the same thing. And I would still give a shit about what happens at the end. Yeah. I mean, there's and not that's... even like, there's not even really a coherent explanation for why there's a zombie outbreak. There's just like some stuff about a chemical factory and something else. And well, it's like... his business. It's actually his, the that company was, that he I, works for. I couldn't quite connect that, those dots. Cause there's a conversation that he has with somebody on the phone at the yeah. end about how uh, that kind of tied all that stuff together, but I didn't quite catch it. Yeah. It, it's on. I mean, honestly, it's unimportant to the plot, but it's useful Absolutely. from a you know. Yeah, it's co- from a world building standpoint and tying everything together. Yeah, it's. I mean that that taps more into anti-capitalistic messaging that you know that that the director probably wanted to push out. But and here's the thing: like even if even if you disagree with that kind of mentality, it, it, I don't. I don't. I couldn't see it sullying your love for this movie. No, you know it I doesn't. Mean? Like, it's so it's so in the background. You never you yeah. you don't even have to know any of that stuff to right. enjoy the movie. It's not important right. to know, knowing why there are zombies because it literally could have been anything. It could have been what it could have been an alien invasion. It could have yeah. you know it's and I think that that's um, I would be curious to know then why there was a choice in the story to go with zombies. You know what I mean? Mm. Because I wonder, I mean, you, I, well, I have no idea, and there's no real way of knowing. Right. I mean, you talk about the artist, uh, the artist fallacy. Is that what it was called? I forget what it, what it was dubbed, but um, uh, that was something something I was going to ask you. Because I'll give my answer after you go. But was there any artistic things in the the movie that stuck out at you? Like just were just like, oh, that's really great symbolism, or that's really great artistry, or anything in in general that. I mean, I honestly really, I I really liked the way that they did the zombies in the movie. I really liked the choices that were made about like, um, especially like the way that they did sort of the eyes in the transition, because you can kind of, they did a very good job of sort of showing the transition from being human to zombie in a way that was like, oh, okay, there's still little points at which they're retaining consciousness, but they're slowly losing it. Like, right. There's a really good scene where the tough guy, you know, he's transforming and he's still like fighting back, you know what I mean? It, which is kind of interesting too. Cause I feel like that sort of further restates his, his character, right? Yeah. Absolutely. As like, he is not just strong in his body, but he's like, he has strong fortitude of will. Yeah. To the point that he's going to do everything he can up to the last second. Um, yeah. Which is kind of, it's interesting because that's a character type that I don't necessarily feel like gets a lot of attention in movies. Like I, that used to be more of a 90s action thing 
or like a, a you know like a Lord of the Rings thing, but like it's not really something you see too often where you have like, um, or at least lately I should say it's not something you see as much lately where you have a character who sort of exists to like this is the character who's gonna die but he's gonna have a really great moment kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I kind of miss that in movies. No, that's Just, fair. I mean, because they you know with the exception of like superheroes. The, the tough guys are always kind of typecast as idiots, or yeah. you know what I mean? Or Well, also the thing lately in movies is to not have like a big grand going down with the ship sort of moment. It's oftentimes our late for a while. It's been like very abrupt kind of quote unquote realistic deaths where it's just like they get taken out sort of by happenstance or by some sudden... Yeah. you know, whatever action to where, you, you know, you leave the audience sort of shocked that they're dead as opposed to, um, giving them a moment to shine. Yeah, that's true. I would, I would agree with that. It's, it's, it's come down more to the shock and the surprise factor than it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Resolution. You know what I mean? Or like heartbreak. Uh, for me, it was the very first shot of the movie. Do you remember what it was? I really don't remember the very. It's, it's of the movie no, very it's fine. Well. You've only seen it once, uh, yeah. and and you know the first time you're watching a movie, you're never gonna. Oh no, take the it first stuff. scene's really good. I'm remembering it because it's like the farmer is like at the checkpoint. Yes, he's and... at the checkpoint. It's the first shot that I'm talking about, though, not the first scene. Is that the? I don't know. Then I don't remember the first shot. <laughs> it, it's, it, I, I didn't expect you to, but um, it's a animatronic dressed as the worker waving the guy forward oh yeah yeah and then it cuts cuts to the 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 actual people working and they're still in the same uh uh, wardrobe costume uniform uh that the animatronic was wearing and to me i'm reading this knowing the movie already sure the second time that i'm watching it or third time i think it was probably um, and I'm watching it going, okay, they're talking about, you know, when you put on a job, you become less human. You yeah. lose your soul. You are a robot. You are fulfilling a duty. You are doing nothing else. And then that resonates throughout the whole movie with the uh, the businessman, with yeah. the, the dad, with um, the way that the government is handling that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of stuff really kind of starts jumping out at me. But I thought it was just really good artistry because that's the only time that anything like that happens in the movie where it's like, Oh, there's a robot doing a job and we're talking about work here. You know what I mean? Like they, they took a chance. They stated the thematic premise in every way, but the dialogue, which is what I thought I loved about this. Which is the, the best way to do it in my opinion, because it's just, it it allows, like I said, it allows the audience to come to their own conclusions. Right. It doesn't, um, and it doesn't talk down to the audience, which I feel like is something that in more recent filmmaking in the United States, like has been kind of a problem. Like it's sure. really made a lot of movies kind of unbearable <laughs> to a certain extent. <laughs> the word you're looking for, Mr. Rainwater is cringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I mean, do you have anything else that you want to talk about in regards to Train to Busan? I mean, we could do this as a short episode or we could go a little longer if you got something because 
I mean, if we had disagreements over it, we could actually fight it out. I but... know. I don't know if there, we would have anything to really disagree on. Like, it's just a, it's a good movie throughout. I didn't, um, it's not like my favorite movie ever, but I really enjoyed it. Like, Would you say it's your favorite zombie movie? Oh, yeah, probably. Because I don't really like zombie movies, and this one was really Same. watchable for yeah, me. So. I mean, like, I would argue, you know, uh, something like... Um, Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. is an important movie. It's an yeah. important zombie movie, but I don't think it's the best. The only other one I, the only other zombie movie that I like aside from this one is, um, I think it's called Dawn of the Dead. It's the one where they're in the shopping mall. Um, I th- uh, yeah, I don't know which dead of that dead it is. I've it's seen bits second. and pieces, but I, I've never one, actually watched the entire movie. I think it was done in the seventies, right? Or like early eighties. Yep, it's in the seventies. I was actually looking it up real quick. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, anyway, it's it's uh, the original one, not the remake. So the original one's really good. And it, I've heard good things about the remake. Have you seen the remake? I haven't seen the remake. But believe it or not. I've heard great things, and here's the really surprising part. I've heard great things, and it was directed by Zack Snyder. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I just heard in like in a vacuum where I like I heard like two or three people that just happened to love it, or if it's been like a bunch of people that loved it. But yeah. I have heard good things about the remake. Like some people have said that that was like one of Zack Snyder's best films. Now I don't know if that's true or not. I'll have to watch it, but. Uh, same as you. I'm not big on the zombie genre. I, I I tried getting into Walking Dead, but it just didn't it didn't resonate for me. I had too many problems with some of the loopholes and uh, cop outs that they took. But for me, I guess we can go a little bit longer by talking about this. It's an extension of it because we talked about uh, we kind of briefly touched on this idea earlier the zombies were irrelevant to the actual overall story. Like we talked about, you could swap them out. Yeah. And to me, as an artist, a storyteller, a filmmaker, it's not that I'm not interested in zombies. It's that I always, whenever I watch a zombie movie, I don't feel like they're taking, they're taking full grasp of the potential like this movie did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they used those things. Same thing with Midnight Mass. You have vampires, right? But then Midnight Mass was able to... Spoiler alert. uh, Midnight Mass was able to draw these parallels between vampirism and, like, Catholicism. And, like, all this, like, drinking of the blood and my life is your life and an angel and all this kind of stuff. Like, no vampire thing has really ever done that before. No zombie movie has really kind of done that before. So... To me, it's really, it's and again, it's, I'm not talking about like elevated horror, but I'm looking at like using the full potential of the particular subgenre that's at stake. Like, what can you say yeah. with this material? Because right. like the only, th- the only time that I've ever, I remember I talked about this in college because I had one friend who was like a zombie obsessed person and we were talking movies and I just remember number one, one of my biggest complaints about zombie movies was that they were always like a chemical engineer bio thing or whatever, like or origin. And I always yep. kind of 
leans a little bit more towards the supernatural one, like the zombies that climb out of a grave. Yeah. That to me seemed to be like a little plan nine ish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the, the more supernatural spooky thing, but one of the things that he had written a zombie short for his uh, senior, senior thesis. And to me, I tried and I tried and I tried to pitch him a scene to me that seemed like it was the only, to me, it was the only thing that was interesting to me about this entire thing. It was a scene of a bunch of survivors in like a Jeep, like an army Jeep that's like a little durable. Mm -hmm. And they're driving down like a lone, I want to call it a southern highway, but you know what I mean? Like there's grass on most sides. It's not trees, just grass. And on the roadway, it must have been a massacre that had happened earlier. But there are hundreds of dead bodies just basically lining the entire highway. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not he turned me down because it was probably production impossible for students sure. or he just didn't care for it, I don't know. But the idea for me, the interesting thing for me was the driver of the Jeep deciding we have to get where we're going we're driving over these bodies and keeping the camera in the Jeep with the survivors as the car bumps, as you hear skulls crush underneath the weight of the car. Like, you know what I mean? And like one of the normal regular people in the car just starts crying. Like to me, that was the interesting thing about that subgenre was examining, wait a minute, people died. Like people are dead and we have to desecrate these bodies to keep going. Like, to me, that was interesting. Like taking a new advantage of that subgenre to say something that you can't really say with something else. So, like, that's one of the reasons why I'm not interested in zombie things is because it's always the same old shit. And this wasn't that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, I was going to say, um, Train to Busan is not necessarily that great of a zombie movie. Hmm. But it is a great movie anyway, <laughs> and like in spite of itself. And I would say, like, um, in terms of zombie movies, I would say better, quote, quote unquote, better zombie movies in terms of dealing with the actual zombie theme or whatever. Mm. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the original one, I would say, is really good, and then Shaun of the Dead, actually, which is a parody, but is actually like a really effective zombie movie. I would actually put Shaun of the Dead as number two as like yeah. my favorite zombie movies because I think I would agree with you on that. That is a great movie. You know what I was thinking as we were just having this moment? Um, we should have probably had Joker on this episode because I, I have a feeling that we oh, would yeah. gush about Train to be on, call it the best best zombie movie of all time, and Joker would be like, uh, <laughs> how I'm about sure this likes, movie? I don't know if he's seen that I'm movie, not, but I, I'm pretty sure he's probably seen it, but like... He's probably um, seen more zombie he, movies than us, though. He likes he likes some zombie movies, and I yeah, know that he's, so he's had he's had a lot of um, he's had a lot of interaction with the George Romero films, so he might have something more yeah more astute yeah. to say in regards. So to we're that. we're we're operating in a bubble when we say it's the greatest horror movie or zombie movie of all time. Where I'm sure Joker might. He might agree with us. I'm not saying he, he's definitely going to disagree with us, but I'm just saying he's got more exposure in the genre, yeah. so yeah, uh, yeah. he would he would probably have a better thought to to introduce us to other movies. Right. That no, we he might definitely like. has some stuff to recommend. I'm sure. <laughs> um, 
We'll have to put that on, on the back burner for next October when we do a spooky season. But yeah, uh, I'm just... kind of. I was gonna say too, like I'm kind of glad that zombie movies are not as popular as they were, because I was kind of <laughs> sick and tired of them after like, um, like 28 Days Later is all right, you know. Like, yeah, that's okay. It's a fine movie. Like it's scary in the way that it, ways that it needs to be scary, and it has a. I think something that a lot of zombie movies do that people like is they often have sort of an apocalyptic dread that pervades them, right? Yeah. And I think it also sort of stimulates for a lot of people. They kind of go into prepper fantasies about, well, if I were in a zombie apocalypse, this is what I would do, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's why a lot of people like zombie movies is because it does like stimulate that part of their mind where they start thinking about like, well, if I were in that situation, I would do the smart thing, this or that or the other. You know, this is how Didn't I. Didn't we have this conversation the other day for the other podcast where I was talking about I would beat up wolves, or was that what a conversation I had <laughs> we with somebody talking, else? We were talking about anxiety in general, yeah, and you were talking about some prepper fantasies. You That's have. pretty much, yeah, that is me. I, I guess I am a prepper in my brain. <laughs> um, there is more. There is more zombie coming though, unfortunately. Because uh, I just remembered that there was also earlier this year, uh, last year, excuse me, there was the Zack Snyder heist movie, Army of the Dead. Right. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. watched that movie I at all. I haven't seen on, it. I've heard about it. Yeah. It was on Netflix, but it's apparently there's a TV series now coming out called Army of the Dead Las Vegas. And then there's also another movie called Planet of the Dead that he's directing that's coming hmm. out. Um so I don't think we're just about done with zombie movies yet. I think we are. They're always going to be sticking around here and there. There just won't be a surge. Of... Zombie movies tend to be very popular around recession, economic recessions too. Interesting. I didn't thought about that, and we are definitely swimming yeah. in that that pool yeah. at the moment. There's a there's a weird correlation there, and so uh, I guess we should expect more zombie movies the next couple of years. God damn it. <laughs> somebody fix the economy so we can have different movies uh all right well unless there's any other thoughts you want to offer up uh, i think it might be just time to say happy halloween to everybody and yep. peace out so yep. everybody uh we apologize that we wish we could have brought you more spooky episodes this month but life is life and we don't get paid for this shit so <laughs> <laughs> you get what you get uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later.